Welcome to Under the Influence. Welcome to this episode of Under the Influence. Today, our guest is Flynn McGarry, head chef and owner of the restaurant Gem in New York City. Flynn's passion for cooking started early on, gaining attention, but gaining attention for his monthly dinner parties at a pop-up restaurant called Eureka that he first started in his LA home at the age of 11. He achieved fame at a very young age, some of which can be seen in the 2018 documentary titled Chef Flynn about his journey in the culinary arts. Welcome Flynn, so good to have you here. Thanks for having me. So how are you, number one? <laughs> good, it's, you know, it's a, been a strange year, but I've been holding in surprisingly well. I'm kind of, I've been enjoying having uh, a year of very essentially a completely different lifestyle than I've had for the past 10 yeah um, which has been kind of an interesting experiment um, but uh, kind of just started to work again and now we all restaurants in New York just got shut down again so back to having a lot of time off which is great a lot of touching great then yeah yeah I mean yeah it is what it is. <laughs> yeah I'll find the good in it yeah definitely I mean, so, and even just you saying 10 years, you're, you're 22, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So 10 years, you've been a chef, you've been working for 10 years. What is that like? What is being that, I want to say successful and like, I don't know, being that like notarized at like 11 years old, what did that look like? Uh, well, in the beginning, it, you know, it, 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 I think to people and to even myself, it was a little bit more, I don't wanna use the word gimmicky, but it was, you know, I was, I was a, a, a full on child, just kind of doing crazy things. Um, you know, I, I was very, at, you know, interested in working and, and learning at the time. Um, but, you know, I, I, it was a very different thing than what I, you know, do now. Um, but I think that, you know, it is this mix of like the having people give you a lot of attention very early on in your career. Mm -hmm. um, I was always aware of the sort of, um, not like the, the, the fear of that, but, you know, the idea of you have all these people looking at you when you're at a period that, you know, I, I was at the time, you know, a year or two into cooking, which is usually no one gives a shit about you when you're only a year or two into cooking. I just happened to be 12 years old. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I was always very aware of the balance between like, you know, people at the time being interested in me, but me also being like, I have so much work and stuff to learn. Um, so I, I, you know, I was always very aware of both sides of it. And I also though don't think that I would have been able to go as far as I did without the sort of recognition and support that I had so kind of quickly. So did, do you feel like all of that so early, I mean, impeded your progress in any sort of way? I mean, it seems like you kind of kept your actual work, 
you know, and like your progress towards actually like becoming a better chef separate than the recognition and kind of like the fame of it. Um, but do you feel like there was any, you know, like if, if you're already become so successful at this age, there's any sort of like, you know, I'm, I've already sort of done, done it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I never really had that. Um, I always, you know, I always had like my dream was always to open a restaurant and, you know, I legally couldn't do that for a very long time Right. Uh, from when I started cooking. I think that, you know, it definitely, I don't think it impeded anything. I definitely think that, you know, it switched up the more traditional path, um, which, you know, you could look at it as it might've, change the ways that I learned things or what I learned but I was sort of you know I never let it get to a place where I wasn't in control of it mm -hmm. you know I was always in the position where if I didn't want to do it I could just stop okay you know it, I, I don't think the recognition or whatever ever got to a level that it existed without me driving it, if that makes any sense. Like, yeah. you know, it was driven by me continuing to do dinners and continuing to create things and, you know, move forward. And if I had stopped doing that at any point, the press and the recognition would have stopped along with that. Um, so I think I always had that idea of, you know, it was somewhat at my pace. Um, and I, I never felt that it sort of overtook me learning. Um, mm -hmm. But I just think it kind of forced me to do it in a very different way. Yeah. Okay. How did it impact other parts of your like learning and growing at that age? That's such a like formative time, like a middle schooler. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, it definitely impacted all that. I when I was, 12 my mom forced me to read outliers okay um, Gladwell book yeah she kind of was like this will explain to you what's wrong with you <laughs> um but there's this whole section in it I remember reading about you know prodigies uh all one part of their brain becomes overdeveloped thus leaving another part you know other parts of their brain and their lives underdeveloped mm. And I would always notice this when I would do, you know, any panels or the fuck with like other, um, uh, other like talented children. Mm -hmm. um, and I remember so frequently being like, wow, they, I'm thinking they're so weird because <laughs> I, you know, in that regard, like, I think I got really lucky with the industry that I chose and the people that I sort of was surrounded by was they were all so focused on making sure that I was like, you know, understood there are other things in life other than just like your career and the things that you do. It definitely had to be forced on me. Like I was very like, you know, if, if everyone just let me kind of run free and, think exactly what I want I would probably go the direction that all of those other kids that I saw of like you know the piano prodigies the math prodigies whatever they were all so you know all they know is math all they know is piano that's all they do 
that's all they can think about. And, you know, I, all they're surrounded by are people who that's all they know. That's all they think about. That's all they talk about. You know, I was surrounded by like cooks, which cooks are like degenerates. They're like, you know, most of them entered cooking because they like failed out of school or like, you know, the industry is a lot more, um, you know, diverse and interesting. And so I think that that helped kind of continue to, to, you know, not let me ignore all of these other sides of life. I definitely think that, you know, having the level of responsibility um, at 12 and 13 years old that I did mm-hmm. uh, definitely creates a really, you know, interesting outlook of responsibility, you know, what I expect of myself, you know, and I don't think I, you know, I, I didn't realize I had on any of those things until, uh, well, one, I, I started going to therapy, uh, which I, if anyone does anything at a young age, I recommend you do that right away. <laughs> um, but also just kind of when I got to a place where, you know, I've had the restaurant now for three years. Mm-hmm. And I put, you know, my entire life and whatever was sort of focused around this idea of I want a restaurant one day. And then to once, you know, I've been living in that reality long enough is when I think you start to see all of these holes in your thinking and how that sort of obsessive, you know, idea of I need to do this thing. Mm-hmm. And I will do whatever it takes to get there. Mm-hmm. Um, is it's one way to live life. I, I, you know, I think the more that I see, it's not the most sustainable way to live life. Mm-hmm. Um, because I even remember, you know, when the restaurant opened, I like obviously had the thought of like, you know, this is all I've wanted for ten years. Now I have it. Yeah. What do I do now? Mm-hmm. And I think that that sort of shock, which I, you know, even took me three years to realize I was actually going through of like, you know, when you dedicate all of your formative years to so, you know, I'm not saying it was a hundred percent just that, but even 75% that is committed, like to think that I've committed the past 10 years of my life to an idea that I had when I was 12 years old. Yeah. I'm not like, I obviously, I, I am so happy I did it and I still love it. And I don't think it was a mistake whatsoever, but it's a crazy thing to think about that. Like I made these decisions about my life when I was a fully unformed human being, but being so determined by them, um, kind of like messes with everything else because, you know, then you get to a place where you know, I'm like, I've committed to doing this idea, but it's okay to not do that. Or all of these things that, you know, people don't really tell you. And, um, you know, I think that doing anything very early on and, you know, committing anything very on early on is just like very, it needs to be thought of as like a, somewhat of like a journey, which sounds kind of stupid, but like the idea of like, you know, to say when I was 12, I, I, I decided I wanted to do this thing. Obviously I ended up doing it, but also, you know, 
things could have changed and there could have been a reality that I didn't end up doing it. Um, but, you know, I ended up doing it and enjoy it. And, you know, as you realize things and change, I think that that idea of growing up and like learning, you know, who you are and what you want in life and whatever, that you go through the same way where if you go to college and when you graduate, you have that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm sort of going through that exact same pattern a little bit, mm -hmm. just with much higher stakes. Um, okay. And it's just sort of, you know, I've just sort of committed to accepting those higher stakes and being like, you know, I'm growing up learning what I want and how to, you know, deal, work on the things that I want to work on and live the kind of life that I want to live. I'm just doing it with a business and employees and all of that. And, you know, it's really just a constant balance between, you know, those two sides of having to be this sort of front facing person who has everything figured out, who's doing everything, but also to continue to kind of evolve it. And, and I think that I, you know, kind of ended up making the restaurant very much so that where restaurants change so much as I've changed so much. And, you know, all of our partners and people kind of are, that's what people are excited by. And I think that I just, you know, not to turn this into a different answer, but I, I just got to a place where, you know, that formative period of my life that I lived in such an extreme kind of way is the way that I did it. I don't know it any other way. Yeah. And I sort of have to use the, the skills and whatever that I gained in that time in a much more extremist way um, and kind of continue to do them. You know, I, I kind of had to go through a crash course at a very early age as to how to, you know, be a person and an adult and, and do all these things and, you know, made those mistakes that have to be made and learned those things. And, you know, at least I like, in comparison to a lot of other child stars have been doing somewhat okay. Yeah. Um, so I think, you know, it really just is kind of like a long kind of journey that also, you know, it goes back to what I said before, it's still, it will always be in my control. Um, and I think that people forget that a lot of like, you know, yeah, I said all of these things. And I said, I want to do all these things. But if tomorrow I wanted to just not do any of this anymore, I could. And I think that it's very important, like, especially when you do things young to be aware that like, you know, you still are in control of your life. And like, if you're not enjoying it, you can make those changes. Um, like anyone who is in their early 20s, the same thing of, you know, you're in a place in your life where it really is just you. You don't have a family. You don't have like all of these kind of other things and you can really, you know, change your life as you see fit. So the idea of, I mean, you talked, you said kind of like talked about responsibility throughout it, um, throughout your answer. And so I think it's interesting that at a young age that you felt like you had control where I feel like, uh, I don't know, the idea of control like I don't know I feel like when you're a kid and you're you're growing up you don't think you have control because you really don't there's other people that 
control your life, you know, your life and your parents or whatever it is, your school, whatever. Um, so it's interesting that you kind of like held on to that belief. You still hold on to that belief that you have control and kind of like run your your life by it. You're like, if I want to do this, I'm going to do this. How did you come up with that so young? Like what was it because you were able to excel so quickly that you were like, you know, and I did this myself that I know that I'm in control of it or it's just like a mentality you had or something? I, I mean, it, it was, I think mostly the way that I was raised. Yeah. Like my, my parents raised me as like a, you're a, a person. We mm -hmm. are like, obviously for a certain period, especially they were in charge of me, but my parents raised me in this way that was very much so like, you know, you need to learn to make your own decisions and we're not going to make those for you. And we're not going to, you know, you make your decisions and you live with, with what comes from those decisions. Do you want to go to like, you know, it was always the thing of like, when I was 10, they'd be like, do you want to go to this school? Mm. not you're going to this school and I think that that while that can be very stressful as a child um, but even in general like I think it's stressful for people to have to make their own decisions I think that it's much easier to live a life that people think like that to go you know everything is figured out for me yeah I'm gonna go to this school I'm gonna then do this I'm gonna then do this I'm gonna get this job and I'm gonna do this like that's the way that my life is going to go. I'm going to mm -hmm. adhere to that. That is so much easier. And it's not to say that that's wrong. You know, I definitely think that there's something to be said about, you know, people, there's the kinds of people that want to just sort of follow a path. Um, but very early on, my parents ingrained in my head, like, you know, I, I wouldn't say it's as, it's as much this idea of like, you know, you can do whatever you want and be whatever you want. It was said a little bit less, optimistically than that <laughs> it was said more of in this way of like you know there is no path for you okay. the decisions that you make and the things that you feel and trust in yourself those are the things that will create the path for you okay. you know those sort of no, no I don't know if I want to call them impulses but you know those feelings that you have when you're just like I want to do this Mm -hmm. um, whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, doing it or at least exploring the idea of it, especially very cautiously, um, I think just kind of is something that I always, you know, I was the one to decide, you know, when I was 13 or 14 and there were all these people trying to make like a reality show about me and like turn my family into the Kardashians, I was always the one in charge of deciding whether or not. I wanted to do this. Mm -hmm. And I think that that sort of critical thinking is very important towards, you know, making those decisions, understanding the consequences of those decisions, weighing, you know, the pros and cons of all of them. That sort of critical thinking is something that I don't think people get until a much later age that I was forced to sort of have because my parents really were just like, this is your thing. You figure it out. Like, obviously we're going to be here and like, you know, we'll make sure you don't do the worst thing on the planet, but like, this really is, you know, you wanted to do it, you do it. Like, and, yeah. and I never felt that like, you know, they didn't really 
forced me to do anything. If anything, they were the ones who were like, are you sure you want to do that? It really was like me kind of being like, I have this goal. I want to do this. And then making decisions just to kind of how to get closer to that. Um, and I think that that's where that sort of responsibility comes is, is the responsibility that you've made all your own decisions and you have to live with all of them. That I think is sort of the, the definition of growing up is like, yeah. you know, you can't blame anything on anyone else. It is your, you did it, you got to live with it, you know, good or bad. And I think it, it, it's less of like this, you know, everything fully is in your control, but it really just is that kind of thing of like, you know, do you want to live your life just kind of going with the flow or whatever, or like going with what people, other people are telling you? Or do you want to go, you know, the amount of advice people have given me that I just kind of listen to and goes in one ear and out the other, because there's actually probably the best advice I ever got was someone was giving me advice and then halfway through giving me advice ended up being like saying, you know, take what I'm telling you for granted, you know, like take it for what it is because every single person that gives you advice, they don't actually have to live with the advice. Mm. It, that's why it's the whole thing of it's so much easier to like give advice than take your own advice yeah because you're saying it to someone you don't actually have to when you tell someone do this and they actually do it you don't have to live with what happens after that yeah they have to and so you know that hit me very early on of this thing of like especially career-wise or whatever like constantly have people in your ear telling you what to do and what not to do but when I just got to this place that was just like I'm the only person that actually, you know, if this blows up in flames, every, no one else will want to deal with it. I'm the one that has to deal with it. So is that worth it? Um, and I just kind of kept that with me, you know, even now in my business and everything of just like, as this big, you know, yes or no of like, do I want to take this person's advice or do I want to do this thing someone recommended or whatever? Because I'm the one that's going to have to like, you know, do everything with it. Yeah. And, you know, mo most of the times, honestly, that I've felt that I've wavered from that and I've made a decision that, you know, didn't fully come from my own or I didn't have enough time to fully formulate my thinking on it. I ended up, you know, not regretting it, but being like, this wasn't exactly what I wanted to do. And, I, you know, it's just kind of enforced that idea more and more. Yeah. Yeah. I see what you're saying. So when there's so many, I guess, different people that are telling you different things, even I'm thinking like press, like these people, they're not even people at that point. There's just kind of like words that are with your name and headlines um, with all these different opinions. Did that, I mean, with that piece of advice that you said, did that, um, I feel like that's more, I think of it more like career-wise, like how you're talking about it, but as a person and hearing all these people just have either criticisms or like affirmations about you, how did that impact kind of how you moved through? Were you just so focused like on the career path? Um, you know, I'm, I was very good at sort of ignoring a lot of it um, or just sort of learning to live with it. And I think that, you know, working in kitchens really is why I was good at that of like, I understood 
you know, I would go to work and I would mess something up and I would get called worse names and I would get called on the internet. And I'm not advocating for that whatsoever, but um, it just formed a very thick skin that I was able to sort of, you know, read these things and just kind of move on. Mm. Um, I do though still think that that amount of a microscope and that amount of also being a 15 year old and ha having five interview interviewers a day at some point ask you these deeply personal kind of intimate questions that I answered. If I go back and read them again, I'm like, I was such a fucking idiot. Like, I think it's a, it's a weird thing where having to contextualize these very like complicated, you know, like I would do an interview as a 15 year old asking about how my parents' divorce affected me. And having That's to- That's so inappropriate. Why would they ask you that? People uh, would ask just the most invasive, you know, all these things of like, do you think you're gonna be fucked up one day? Like you've seen, like people would just ask these very insane kind of questions. And I got really good at answering them. And then I realized at a certain point that getting really good at answering very personal questions is not actually dealing with those questions. It's a, like a defense mechanism. Like yeah. when from such a very early on your age or very early age, you're asked to immediately on the spot with a microphone in your hand or in an interview for a very known publication, or whatever, you're asked to be eloquent and composed and have the answers to these very daunting questions. Mm -hmm. What do you wanna do with your life? What are your, like all of these things that like are so nuanced and complicated and yeah. you have to put together a very packaged sounding um, sentence. You know, I got really good at that because I you do anything enough, you get pretty good at it. Um, and then I would go through these long periods where I didn't have any interviews and I didn't have any press. And I would start to, you know, actually think about those things and be like, no, I, I obviously don't have any of that figured out. Why the fuck would I? Like, yeah. I am in the process of figuring it out. And, you know, to, to have to come to such strong conclusions so they would read as a good interview, mm -hmm. I think kind of messes up the way that you process think like thoughts. Mm -hmm. um, and just kind of cuts that process almost too short. And it's something that I try to work on of like, you know, I got so good at being asked how I felt about something and needing to have a, a response right then. Yeah. And now I know, you know, that's not necessarily the way most things should be. They should be thought through and 
and you know not have to be said right in the moment um but i think that you know goes into the world that we live in of this sort of everyone needs needs the answer right then you know when i open the restaurant i would say 85% of the interviews i did they would ask me uh they would ask me what was next right when you opened up the restaurant literally the week <laughs> that we opened they would say what's next uh. and at that point i you know had reached a point where i literally would just be like why the hell are you asking me that like <laughs> yeah i literally am in the process of sleeping 2 hours a night and just opened a restaurant obviously i'm not thinking about what's next why do you need to know yeah like why is that something that people are so focused on of like the second that you do anything it's already it's already then moved on to what's next yeah. and i think that that is something that i think is really unsustainable about our lifestyle right now is that it's so deeply focused on this constant churning out of ideas and things that it just sort of renders everything to exactly like what i was saying which is like how an idea that is polished enough to look good and be uh attractive on the spot is a much worse idea than one that goes through a lot of phases of like failure and bad ideas and good ideas and and ends up coming out you know a lot more wise and figured out than just this constant need for things to seemingly be perfect mm-hmm. um but then i also think that there's the sort of flip side of that where we went so aggressively in that direction that now is there's this kind of idea of this like false like anti-perfectionism okay that really bothers me of like i think that like everyone is in the the understanding that our society is so focused on instant gratification and like doing one thing doing the next thing you need to constantly be moving forward you need to constantly be you know you have 10 seconds like that is the world that we live in right now mm-hmm. but i also think that there is this sort of then it revolted to okay that's obviously problematic but now we're going to have this culture of really intense um you know people being like oh i'm going to show you how not perfect it is but in this way that is still that same thing like it's still this need to constantly show everything and i think that that is where it's this kind of weird balance of like you know when i talk about an idea or a thought that needs you know like the idea of what's next if i had answered what i actually in the moment thought i wanted to do next then it was not what i would end up doing next but if i also though even answered the question and talked so you know was like oh i want to go on the record about what i'm going to fail whatever i think that that's equally as as problematic because it's like these are things that need to be dealt with in the proper settings and i think that that's something that i i realized a lot in interviews and and in also just like the world of like i just stopped telling people my ideas 
I stopped talking about them in interviews. I stopped talking about what was next, what was on my mind, you know, it became like I had a script for mm -hmm. interviews. Mm -hmm. And every once in a while I would do one with someone that I really trusted that I felt like, okay, I could talk about things that I was in a space that was, you know, comfortable enough that I could talk about these more kind of intricate things. Mm -hmm. But other than that, I would keep it within a very close circle of people my friends, you know, my therapist, like my coworkers, like, and I just felt that once the idea was fully formulated and I put it out on the internet or I put it out to a guest or I did whatever, and I actually waited until the idea was fully formed mm -hmm. until uh, opposed to being so excited by having the idea that right. I needed to share it, mm -hmm. I felt 10 times more gratification, but I also felt that the idea lasted much longer. Yeah. Because I think that the, that sort of like constant going into your impulses, mm -hmm. which I am the most impulsive human being I've ever met, <laughs> um, going into those impulses constantly, you know, can be good for like, you, you know, can experience a lot of things. You can show a lot of things. You can do a lot of things. But I, if the more that I think about the impulses that I've had, and the more that I look at them, the more that I see that not, none of them, literally none of them have longevity. The ideas that I had as an impulse and I let transition from an impulse into a fully formed idea mm -hmm. had longevity. The same thing with like, you know, the things that I said, that I said impulsively, I looked back on and I said, I would be like, oh, why did I fucking say that? But the things that I actually took time to think about, and, you know, it could sound like it's a script, but they were actual, you know, ideas that I got to, you know, I did the full circle on my own and kind of put them in this pretty box mm -hmm. and was like, this is the idea. Mm -hmm. I read those interviews again or whatever, hear myself talk about those things. And I feel like they were, you know, just as true now as they were then. Right. And I think that that is that sort of, uh, that is, I think a really big thing just in general right now, kind of even in the topic that we're talking about of like the idea of how the entire world right now is just trying to capitalize on impulsiveness. Um, yeah. And even this year has made me be like, oh, wow, I like, couldn't be impulsive. I couldn't yeah. do anything I wanted to do because there was literally like a blocker. I couldn't, you know, do all these ideas. I was forced to sit with and just think the ideas through for a year. Yeah. And it's so remarkable the ways that I think now than I thought a year ago, just because I just thought. Through yeah. You just daily. sat on it for a little bit. Yeah. I sat with the discomfort of being in that in between. Yeah. Is there, and I, it is a true discomfort, at least for me, of like when I have an idea, there's excitement. And then when I force myself to not act on that idea and to think through it, it makes it's like a discomfort. But that period, I think, is like a something that is just going away more and more and more of like that period of just like sitting with yourself and like 
you know, not distracting yourself or just constantly, you know, using impulse impulses to sort of keep moving forward um, is something that, you, you know, even I have never done before. I've never been in a place where I've actually just like, you know, sat still for a year and didn't really mm -hmm. do anything. Yeah. You know, but I did, I did, uh, you know, thought more and made more conscious decisions this past year than I have ever done the past 10 years of working or even just my life. But from an outside perspective, it looks like I did nothing all year. But in, ra in reality, I actually like made all of these decisions and ideas and, but I don't even care that it seems like from the outside, I didn't do anything because there, you know, it's like laying the groundwork. And I think that that is what creates more long-term success and um, just like, you know, general enjoyment of life opposed to just like this kind of constant uh, speeding through it. Yeah, I, I see what you're saying totally. Like, I think I, I had a similar experience where um, like towards the end of my undergraduate year and like even the, the year intramurum, like, I guess not intramurum, like now, like after um, I've already still graduated. <laughs> yeah, still in it, um, where I have all these ideas and I wanna do all these different things and I would get excited. And then someone would ask me, and because I'm not like pursuing a traditional job where, you know, if someone's like, what are you doing? You're just like, I work here. And that's kind of the end of the conversation. Um, I'd get excited and I'd be like, oh, like I'm thinking about doing this or like I started doing this, it's this, whatever. And you say like three or four ideas. And then I get this like gratification from just like telling them and being like, and like saying it. And then they're excited for me. And then I'm like, oh, like I have this list of stuff that I'm into. And then that sort of motivation to, go into any of these like and actually explore them and make them get them into like fruition any of these ideas it kind of like dissipates after I've gotten that initial like gratification yeah. that initial high but like it's and I so I've stopped telling people anything that I'm working on as uh, until it's it's cemented it's out and it, ha it has whatever is you know what I mean uh, similar to I feel like what you're saying um because I feel like just my motivation decreases and I like internally, like my mind tricks itself into thinking that I've accomplished something by like coming up with an idea and then not doing any of the, yeah. the work to actually, um, yeah, make it happen. Um, but yeah, from an outsider perspective, it definitely looks like it looks better just to keep turning out ideas. Like I thought about this, I thought about this. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that yeah. sort of like, that is sort of what I mean of like that newer, I mean, you see it on social media of like this sort of like people kind of oversharing on the internet mm -hmm. being this like, even like, you know, sharing that sort of like, I'm on, you know, going through this process or whatever, even personally, like, you know, I'm all, I'm like, whatever helps anyone. But I, I, I think that there is something really interesting about exactly what you just said of that people have kind of like conflated posting something with actually doing it yeah and it's like that I think is the most deeply fucked up thing of like just because you put something out in the world does not mean you actually did it mm -hmm. like but it does now and that's what's so fucked up is like that is a barometer of success is yeah. when you post an idea or something how many likes how many views whatever that can now be conflated to doing something yeah. and 
I think that that's where it, it, it is tricky and like very complicated because like naturally you're inclined to want to do that because you're getting the gratification of, of success from a number or whatever people are seeing it or doing it. But that lasts for, you know, that day yeah. maybe. And then what the fuck do you do the next day? Like, <laughs> you know, you didn't actually do it. Yeah. I think that that's like such a, a thing that I had to even catch myself doing of like, post something on Instagram or like a dish or something that ended up like looking pretty, but like it needed to be worked through more or like it tasted good enough, but I knew it wasn't there. And I would post it on the internet and then I would keep working on it, but I would get that satisfaction from posting on the internet. Sometimes I would post it on the internet and be like, eh, whatever, I, I got the satisfaction. And that I noticed, I was like, that's a terrible way to think about things. Mm-hmm. But instead, I just kind of stopped doing them, just kind of like let things play out. And if I didn't feel 100% confident with it, I would just kind of like let myself work through it for sometimes it would take six months. Yeah. And like, I would honestly, by the end of the six months, I wouldn't even care about posting it on the internet because I would yeah. just be like, why does it matter now? Like, I like did it. It's yeah. like, I can now, now move on. And I think that that's such a funny kind of thing that like, those things that take the longest that you get the most actual satisfaction from you end up just being like, yeah, why do I care? Yeah. Like, Cause you already kind of got that deeper sense of fulfillment from it. Like you, yeah. yeah. Which is what you've been craving the entire time. I think what I've noticed too, I get similar to what you're saying with like people kind of sharing their journeys to something on, on social media. So like, um, like if someone is like starting their own business or like someone is like learning how to play a new instrument or a new skill or something like that. Um, and like kind of sharing their process with it. I'm wondering what your opinion is on like, I don't know, like if you're, if you're sharing your, you know, I did this today, I learned this and you get that kind of feedback, that support from your group, whatever. And if your mind starts to think like, i I need this step. I need this validation for every step in order for me to go from step one to step two. Whereas if you didn't post it or you weren't as like vocal or whatever about your process in it, like I wonder if people think that they wouldn't have the motivation to go from step one to step two. Do you know what I mean? Or that step one isn't yeah. worth as much because it's not validated by whoever that likes fully. I, I think that that is a whole thing of like, if people don't get the reaction they want, they're going to be pushed off of it. I also just think that in general, like exactly what you're saying is I just think social media has become too much of this sort of stream of consciousness. Mm -hmm. That is like a very dangerous thing of like, anytime I see someone, you know, do something like that, of like I'm starting this business, whatever, like this sort of concept moving forward. I just think about like, if you actually like sit there and think about it a little bit more like ab like abstractly, like I, I understand that people do it because they, they want people to feel like, oh, we're also going through it and this sort of sense of camaraderie. Uh, and like, you know, that, you know, you could achieve anything, whatever kind of mentality. I wonder if that, uh, that's what people say is the the motivation yeah I don't say. know if that's the real but, no, yeah but I, but I do think that sure yes a lot of it is validation but I do think that 
validation can also come from this place of like I think it's validation from both sides the yeah. person posting it wants validation but the person seeing it the reason that people are encouraging it is because they're getting validation knowing that this person is also going through whatever mm -hmm. and I think that it is taken this idea of validation which validation in general I, I you know I don't know a single human being who has true like a true healthy sense of validation I actually don't think I could tell you I've met one person in my entire life <laughs> that is has like figured it out yeah that, that is sort of this constant battle with everyone with oneself of like where do you derive validation from why do you need validation et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. um, but I think it's just made it so much easier to, to directly find it from somewhere, you know? Yeah. The more constant forms are like, yeah, people get validation from work and awards and, you know, success and money and relationships and whatever. Those things are all way harder to get validation from than it is to get the validation of someone just seeing you doing something and like engaging with you in truly the most like bare minimum way yeah um totally. and i think that it's it just you know i think what you're saying is the reason that people are like or at least my thinking of it is the reason people fall off so fast is that i get you know most of life is this strive for validation and when you get validation too quickly, you lose that drive because what else are you looking for then? Mm -hmm. You know, I, you know, in a very, I guess, cynical way, I would say the real reason that, you know, anyone does anything new or whatever is for validation in some way, mm -hmm. make them feel like they are doing something in the world, you know, uh, whether that validation comes from making money or from fame or, you know, even validation, like for me, like I get a ton of validation when I like cook someone a delicious dinner and they like are appreciative of it. I forgot how much that validation meant to me until I started doing dinners again this year. And I was like, oh, I forgot how amazing it feels when I just spent 14 hours working all day and someone appreciated that. Yeah. And I think that like the easier that it, becomes to get that validation and the lower your bar is for validation you know then what the fuck is that like what are you doing anything for anymore like yeah. you know yeah that's why everyone will probably you know have these light bulb ideas put it out in the world they get their validation they move on yeah opposed to like dealing with that period of not having validation and striving for it and then once you get it, but why would you do that? Like, I, I also get it. Why would you do that if it's so much, if it's easy to get the same, you know, that instant feeling of validation and gratitude? Like, why would you do the thing that's 10 times harder and takes five times as long when you could do something a lot easier and it feels, you know, or at least to you, because that's all that we really know anymore. Yeah. It feels the same. Like, you know, that's what I think is really weird is that I think especially the, the kind of generation, I guess, like under us, mm -hmm. that sense of validation is all they really know. Yeah, totally. And so like, 
how are they expected to to want anything other than than that exact you know moment to moment validation i always say like when people are like you know my generation is the most fucked up i'm like well i think we're fucked up because we people say that about yeah, our about our generation really that like we just have the most issues out of the most anxiety the most like all of these things and i honestly think it's because we are stuck in the middle yeah it's not all we know but it's easy but it's like you're stuck between this thing of like you know it's like that that you know bliss the ignorance is bliss yeah like, totally if if all i ever knew was a validation that came from social media is that unhealthy? Sure. Would I know it's unhealthy? No. Yeah. Because that's all I knew. Mm-hmm. But to have that sort of lexicon of like the understanding of, but I, you know, that also just comes from like being, you know, reading about other things and like learning about the past of like how people forever looked at validation and how, you know, even I guess a similar example to validation would be like celebrity, you know, how, much harder it was to be a celebrity 50 years ago yeah. there was only like a hundred celebrities <laughs> yeah now like anyone like, can become a celebrity exactly. yeah and I think that that is like such an easy way to think about it like being a celebrity was this like you know it was this unachievable impossible feat and they lived these lives of like that you never really understood but now the, I think the whole thing of just like, oh, you know, you could, anyone could end up being a celebrity. You can see into their lives. You can think celebrities are just like us, like kind of miss the days when it was like celebrities were like aliens and you were like, there's like only a few of them and they like don't look like real people and they exist in this crazy world. <laughs> like, yeah, now celebrities are like us because it's like fucking every single person on the street is like some has some sort of a following. Yeah. Um, I know I even feel that I'm like, you know, I'm like, I, I definitely don't think I'm a celebrity by any means, but even just like to think about the, the grasp of like the uh, followings and, and anything like that, like, you know, when people are like, oh, you know, we want to see more of like your life, whatever. I'm like, no, I think that's bullshit. Like, I think like if I follow someone, I don't want to see like, you know, what they do every day. I don't think that's interesting. I think what's interesting is like the sort of like mystery of people that you think are more talented or beautiful or whatever than you. I think that this sort of like false sense of, oh, you could just, you could be just like me. It's like, no, you can't. Like, <laughs> like I remember all the time people would always be like, can you like post like recipes that people could cook. And, I, and I've and i done it a few times for different things. But it's like, not to be like, oh, you can never do what I, what I do, but it's like, you cannot instantly do what I do. Yeah. You have to work for it. And like that, like the reason that I, like the chefs that I looked up to, it wasn't because I thought I could be them. It was because I was like, that is so hard mm-hmm. to do. I have no idea how to even make that or make something look like that. I now have a goal. Mm-hmm. But like, I think that like to be like, oh, you could be just like me by like making this very simple thing that takes not a lot of skill or knowledge 
or you could, you know, call yourself a chef. Like, and I got, in, I even got in trouble about this. Of like, people would, would get all mad at people calling me a chef because I didn't put in the work. I never really cared about being called a chef or not. But honestly, I think this sometimes of like, you know, I meet people who are like, you know, I'm opening a restaurant, and I'm like, cool. Like, we had an intern come one time who was 18 years old. He told me that his goal was to open a restaurant in the next year. Um, and I was like, how long have you been cooking? And he was like, a year. And I was, he was like, well, you know, I like, all, you know, you inspired me so much to open a restaurant when I turned 19. And I was like, well, I was like, you're kind of reading into that wrong. Yeah. Like there's a difference between opening a restaurant when you're 19 and opening a restaurant after you've had seven years of experience. Yeah. It's so, that's also, that's such a weird thing too. People are like, like that his goal for you is that you opened a restaurant at 19. Like that's what he wants to emulate. Like the restaurant at this age, not the, all the work that you did, not all the places, not all the, you know, all like the actual grunt work and the learning yeah. and the things that you did. That's not just what he idea. wants to emulate. Just the idea that, you know, Flynn opened a restaurant at 19 and like, that's my idol because he did it at that age. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, that's, uh, you know, a thing that I will have to deal with for a long time of that. That's a lot of people's perceived idea of me, of it is the accomplishment plus the age. Yeah. And nothing else. Mm -hmm. And I get it. It makes a good headline. Like it, you know, looks good. It, it's punchy. It's exciting, you know be much less interesting to write a headline that says like, you know, Flynn McGarry opens a restaurant after, you know, putting in eight years of work and, you know. <laughs> after working all... really hard. <laughs> yeah, no one wants to fucking read that. And I get that. And I fully understand that aspect of society. I just think it's, you know, it's a, it's a blessing and a curse of like, that's what people just kind of become, um, especially nowadays, I think people just become reduced down to the most simplistic impressive version of themselves which just like also creates like the worst stand like the worst idea for like that exactly that of like someone goes oh i can open a restaurant at 19 because you did it at 19 it's like it creates these impossible standards i think you see it it's the same thing with like you know seeing how people look on social media of like yeah it's like creating the, it's like, how do you take the most um, impressive and like not real side of people and you put it out there and it, you know, but I, I think that that comes, I've learned to, to look at that less as a problem, which is honestly probably just me that thinks like this, that I look at it less as a problem with the people you know, writing the headlines and posting the photos as it is a problem with the way that one would look at it. Because, okay. I don't know, we live in a society that is based on making the most amount of money and do it and getting the most amount of people to read something and the most likes, the most whatever. It's capitalism. That's like what it, it's just like the most. Mm -hmm. So I don't think you can blame people inherently for wanting to make that art make that headline more um punchy and exciting or yeah. post the best photo of themselves 
you know, why would you not want to do that? Yeah. I think it's more on the viewer and the person reading that article and looking at that photo to understand that it is a veneer. Mm -hmm. It like to understand that they're doing that to be punchy. Right. They're doing that to draw you in and understand that difference between the two things. And if you want to learn more, you can find out more and mm -hmm. you can find out, you know, real things about people and whatever. But I've always thought that like, you know, when I say this, like, oh, you know, I, I don't love that people are just like me and my age and what I've done, but like, am I mad at them about it? No, that's their job is to get the most amount of views on an article. And the way to do that is to make the most punchy headline. Am I like, do I wish that they would change headlines to be more accepting of work and things? No. Do I wish that there is more of an understanding in the world in the world that a headline is just a headline? Yes. That, okay. but also that inherently makes a terrible headline, which is why people <laughs> will never understand it. I just, I think that that is like such the thing about that I've learned about celebrity or whatever is just that like, it really is like on the viewer and the person that is watching it happen, which is why I think you can have such varying reactions from people is like, you know, from a, a headline, you can have people react a thousand different ways. And it's like, that's, I think, just something that, that fascinates me that I don't think will ever really change. But I think that something that I've learned to do of like, you know, read a headline and, and, you know, if it draws me into the story, then read the story and then judge it as a whole, not mm -hmm. from the, the kind of punchy, exciting thing. Yeah. Because like, like that kid... Yeah, but like that kid that said he wanted to open a restaurant, he read the whole article. Yeah. He knows that I worked for seven years. He just wants to ignore that. Yeah. <laughs> because it's more fun to, to live in the world that you could just do this whenever you want. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, I literally told him, I was like, if you can do that, good for you. Like it, you know, I, I'm, I'm, that, that would be amazing. You know, that was two years ago. It didn't end up happening. But I think that, it, yeah, it, it is that thing of like, clickbait is there for a reason. And like, it's really just kind of what you do after that, which is more the responsibility of the individual than it is the person writing the headline. So, okay. So with that, along that vein, what if the person writing the headline, were, when we're thinking headlines, we're thinking like traditional media, right? Like New York Times, Washington Post, whatever. If the person writing the headline and the person consuming the headline are the same person, like in social media, where the person creating the story is also a consumer as well as a content creator, a user, whatever it is, right? So then who is it up to? Because it's, who's the responsibility to understand how to, um, I guess, interact with the content? Like, have you seen those things that are, you know, they're always on social media. It's like, um, social media is not real. Don't believe everything that you see on social media. But then people that post that also post things that 
are not like real as well like people will post like an edited facetune whatever picture yeah. and then you know three days later be like yeah don't believe everything you see on social media whatever blah blah but then if you really think that then wouldn't you post things that are more authentic or do you, do you see what i'm saying yeah, yeah, yeah no 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 i i think that honestly the way that i would read into that would mm-hmm. just be like this person knows what they're doing Okay. Like, like in a very cynical, not, that's not a good thing for society. But like, I think that the whole thing about social media is it gets rid of, there is no responsibility. Mm -hmm. It's the fucking wild west. (laughs) Yeah. It's how like, you know, and I think that that's honestly what's so dangerous about it and whatever is, you know, I'm not going to go into a whole tangent on fake news because I don't really know anything about that. But like that is, I think, the perfect example of this is that when one person on social media posts something, it gets read as fact. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas in reality, I always like to think of social media as like a town hall meeting where like people just say crazy shit constantly. <laughs> Someone's yeah. probably right something there is right but I think that it really just is you know it's honestly why I started and I think this is just my personal relationship towards social media but as time goes on I've started to enjoy mostly Instagram less and less and less because it started to take itself too seriously Mm -hmm. I think Instagram as this place where you just share cool photos is all it should have fucking been. Like, and now, you know, it's it's a shopping app, essentially. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, if you think of it like that, of like, because it's so unregulated and because it's so, you know, vast and broad, you know, that's what I think was interesting about Facebook when it first started was like, you could say whatever fucking crazy shit you wanted, but it was just your friends. Mm-hmm. So it made sense. You know, Mm -hmm. it was just your, it was a way to experience, you know, when you go to a dinner party and someone tells a story that's completely not true and you're like, oh, we all know Jonah. He just kind of lies sometimes. (laughs) It was that same thing. Whereas now it's just become so big and vast and whatever that there is no connection to the person or whatever. Um, And that's how like I use social media is just like cool photos. That's Mm -hmm. who I follow on Instagram. I don't put any really intense weight on it um but i know people who put so much intense weight on it and it's their everything you know it's their job it's their career it's their every little thing is on it um and i just feel like as it's been getting more and more and more serious and like these long form posts and like all of these things it's just becomes exhausting Mm. like like as a viewer yeah it's like like I you know I hope we go back to the age of of like the dot-com era where I think that that is the proper place to to like you know I loved the era of like if I want to know what someone has to think about things I'm gonna go on their website yeah like not 
I open my phone and it's one person after the other of how they, what they think about things. And, you know, all of the, it's just so much. Whereas like, you know, it's honestly something that I, I kind of think is amazing and that I definitely got fully addicted to in quarantine about TikTok mm-hmm. is that TikTok is so stupid. <laughs> genius because of that. Yeah. Like I find myself more so on TikTok now than I do on Instagram mm-hmm. because the thing that I like about social media is that it it is stupid. It's like, you know, it's like watching mindless television. Mm-hmm. And if we thought of it in the same way, like as reality TV, mm-hmm. that's all it literally is. It's like us just like looking into someone's life. Um, it's like, I don't go to Instagram to get my news. I go on the New York Times and I go on CNN and I like actually like look at news sources. I go on Instagram to like look at, you know, pretty pictures of things. I go on TikTok to like watch the dumbest shit ever that just like makes me laugh. And I think that like, that's where the responsibility is like, there is no responsibility. So just like, what are you supposed to do with that? Mm-hmm. If you try to put the, if you try to ask that question as who has the responsibility, you're inherently defeating the entire purpose of social media. Because now you're saying someone has the responsibility. So mm-hmm. it's a centralized platform. It being entirely decentralized is no one has responsibility on either part. You can do whatever the fuck you want. By those same terms, it's like you can, you know, post crazy shit. And like, that's, I think what we're all dealing with right now is that we've gotten to this place where everyone wants to put responsibility on one party or the other, but it is physically impossible to do that. Mm -hmm. Like it actually is. There's no way to do that. There's no editors. Like. (laughs) Yeah, there's too there's much no, content. There's too many, yeah. It's impossible to, to yeah. decide who is responsible for what. And that's where I think because it's so decentralized, the responsibility then falls on the person looking at it. Mm-hmm. Because the person posting it is never going to stop posting it. You can just not look at it. Yeah. Like that's where it falls on, I think, the viewer versus the person putting it out into the world yeah I see what you're saying so it your your um definition of like the purpose of social media is interesting and I think it also kind of aligns with people that are maybe a bit like our generation maybe a bit older as well but with younger generations where it's you know, I mean, it, it, it's hard for us to understand because we grew up differently and it, it wasn't there when we grew up. Like it was, we were in high school or whatever, middle school when it came out. But it's so much of their way of communicating with their friends and how you were saying like kind of Facebook, what Facebook was for us when we were younger. Um, how do you feel like it, it works there? Like where it's this circle that is both intimate as well as really public for them that is really important for these younger students for not students, but these younger people. I think that the, the, I love the value that comes from like a private Instagram Mm -hmm. account. I think that honestly, in my feeling, I'm like, if you are not a public 
persona, mm-hmm. celebrity, whatever. You can have a private Instagram and it can function the exact same way that Facebook did or that you can, you know, connect to your friends and share things and talk to them constantly and whatever. But you're not getting to this like blown out of proportion state where you're a 13 year old posting very confident things on the internet. That's what scares the shit out of me. I'm like, I cannot imagine like, you know, eight year olds on the internet and how they're going to have this like your entire life on a platform yeah that you're able to look at and i think that if you look at it as without putting all this weight on it then it's kind of interesting but if you look at it with putting a lot of weight on it it's terrifying mm-hmm. like when you're saying that you're taking these people who have, are not fully developed in the head not even close to it mm-hmm. and you are letting them make the decisions to comment on someone's like that's what i think is kind of crazy is that like a 12 year old could comment something that's a complete lie on someone's instagram and someone would believe it mm-hmm. okay yeah i see I, I yeah go ahead i and like i i'm all for like you know being your own person but i just think that like that sort of i just think that the power that every individual has while amazing is terrifying because there are a lot of people that don't know what the fuck they're talking about. And I think that like, I think that there's a difference between allowing people to have, allowing everyone to have a format at which they're heard and allowing people with no knowledge of of a certain circumstance or situation or whatever, have power and authority on it. Mm -hmm. Just because they're there. Yeah, just because they exist, yeah. No, I see what you're saying. I think I think my issue with like younger children on social media isn't necessarily that they will impact other people. It's more like the access that people have to them that they like people you, you shouldn't have unlimited access to children. No one should have unlimited access to children oh, no, no, in I mean, this that's, capacity. That is genuinely terrifying. Yeah. That's what I'm saying like, you know, private Instagram makes way more sense. <laughs> I think that, well, that's a whole side to the internet that is just like deeply troubling and like fucked up. And like, it's a side to the world that's like deeply troubling and fucked up that I would say is like, I don't even want to think of it as like a regular thing, but it is a regular thing. Mm -hmm. Like that, that is something that could be taken so deeply advantage of. Um, But once again, I think that that falls on the individual child and parent and whatever, like, I think it's just so hard to like control anything like that. Like, I don't know, like, I remember like there was a point where like, when I was a kid with like, you know, parental controls on TV and stuff. Yeah. My my parents literally were just like, we just don't care. Like, just like, you know, don't like do anything stupid, but like, you know, I had parents that were very like, discover everything, figure like, you know, you'll, you'll learn it eventually. Why are you waiting? Mm-hmm. Like, we'll watch a movie with a sex scene when you're seven. What's the point of like, not <laughs> knowing things, whatever, which sure, did it probably uh, fuck me up in some ways? For sure. But, like <laughs> the, 
the counterpart did I'm sure did the same to other kinds of people and I think that that's where it to ask that question as to like with such a generalized view is so hard because I it's I just yeah. think it's also just like so much bigger like I only really talk about social media in the ways that I experience it and yeah. the world that I'm in with it because I can't even imagine you know like to think about social media in like repressive countries mm -hmm. the fuck's that like I have no clue like mm -hmm. social media in New York City at you know in the world that I live with within is one thing social media in the middle of nowhere in the middle of a country is a very different thing social media in Russia and China and like it's totally. such a I think that's where I'm into the idea of websites again is it just becomes I think the idea of social media is such this broad term that you're never going to be able to fit anything under its umbrella mm -hmm. you just have to be like that's just the world like it literally is it's like the same things I'm saying about social media, I think could be applied to anything in the world of like, you know, whose responsibilities it is, you know, who you look for. And like the same thing of like, you know, control and all of these things. Like there are things that the world has struggled, not to go all like plot, but it's like, these are issues that the entire world has struggled with forever mm -hmm. of, you know, who decides what, who's allowed to do what, all of these sort of systems and things and I think that social media is just like a way to look at that really clearly and to look at all these dynamics. And I think it's why like, you know, you're sort of like able to look at these issues that the world kind of has much clearer because it's right there in front of your face, mm -hmm. opposed to like it being a little bit more of like an abstract idea. Like mm -hmm. we feel all of these things when we're on social media, whatever. But those are just, I think like, you know, general existentialist issues of like that question of when I feel hurt by something or I feel whatever if I you know read something that isn't true whatever is that my responsibility or is that their responsibility mm -hmm. you can't answer that question mm -hmm. like that is literally like that's like that's philosophy like these are like <laughs> things that like are like yeah I see what you're saying debated until the end of time and it's just such a, a constant way of having to deal with that on a day-to-day -day basis and think about it. There's also why I think it's really fucking stressful for a lot of people because like to have to like actively think about that in your day-to-day -day life is like very heavy Yeah. about so many things that are so not heavy. <laughs> like. The act to have to think about that, about someone face tuning themselves, like to go so existential about it is I think kind of like fascinating of like, it's forcing everyone to like think in these ways. And like, you know, it's so wild of when I, I go through periods where I just will, you know, not be on Instagram or delete it from my phone, whatever. And it's crazy how big of a difference yeah totally yeah it's really crazy it's like noticeably different after like a few days but I think it's like what's even more crazy about it is how like I can't even comprehend actually how crazy that is that like when I delete this app off of my phone 
I now don't know what anyone is doing other than the friends that I talk to every day. Yeah. That is such a crazy thing of like, if you think about the like, you know, uh, mental health repercussions that come from all of those things. Mm -hmm. I think honestly, like social media, you know, as people talk about it with such like, whatever, it's, it's jokey, whatever, but like, it has a serious impact on everyone's like mental well-being and like you know either you can look at it with like a sense of humor and like how like I've learned to look at it that's very much so just like cool pictures whatever but every time I feel myself sort of going a little bit more into it I'm like I need to pull pull away from this but it's also so hard because people use that as every form of communication now yeah. You no, know, my my friend like DMs me more than he texts me. I'm like, can you text me? I don't have my notifications on. Yeah. You have my fucking phone number. Like, just text <laughs> me. It's easier. Yeah. Like, can we go back to these more, you know, centralized, smaller ways of communication and whatever that, like, you know, instead of, I, I just think it's like, because it, it is so hard to delete it because then you miss out on so many good things. Like what? Like, I, I, like, I don't know, good things is the definition, but like, you know, how would you know about things, you know, that this restaurant is doing this or that this concert's happening or that, you know, mm-hmm. uh, your friend had a baby. Like there are so many things that are, and so much information that, is to be found on it. You know, I've learned so much about designers and things that I like and different chefs, whatever, by being on Instagram. And I've got, and I've learned, you know, I've gotten so much good from it. There's also a lot of bad to come from it. And I think that that's where it's really about, you know, having a relationship towards it that understands both sides and, you know, goes, when it gets addicting, I need to pull away, but it can be good for so many things. And like, I think that the more and more that social media, you know, it's whole algorithm is just to make you more addicted to it. And it's yeah. like, I think it's just like, how does everyone fight becoming more and more addicted to it is an impossible thing. Yeah. Because like, you know, I even had to go through this where like, in quarantine, I was like, I was like, I've been, I like, we find myself like, you know, in a TikTok hole for like an hour and a half of just like nothing. Yeah. Maybe like, I literally talked to my friend about this. I was like, what the fuck did we do before when we were bored going on TikTok? She was like, I don't know, like, do we, like, we read or like, we like watched a TV show or like something that was like, you were experiencing. Just like sat and like thought. Yeah. <laughs> Opposed to just like numbing your brain, which I do think sometimes you need to do. Mm-hmm. It's just the matter of how often do you numb your brain? Yeah. And I think too, there's like, there's other ways of getting out of your mind and like not having to think and like taking a mental break that have existed prior to like smartphones and like social media that aren't so like irresistible in the same way. I've like, I've experienced something really similar with TikTok where like 
I had to delete it. And even when I deleted it after I was on it for so long, I like kept re-downloading it. Like it was so intense, the drive to have TikTok where I like downloaded it, deleted yeah. it, downloaded, deleted it and like 14 times a day. And I was like, I don't know what to do. Like, I can't, I don't know. So it, it yeah, I don't yeah. know. It, it's uh, <laughs> I, I look, I, I also like, I feel like anytime I talk about any of these things, I always need to be like, I am not trying to say I have any of this figured out. I definitely think that my relationship with social media can verge on unhealthy, can verge on, you know, looking for gratification, all these, all of these things. You know, I think it's such a new thing in our lives that like, we are the first generation to have to deal with all of, it's the earliest phase of it. Yeah. You know, phones have been around for hundreds, like uh, 200 fucking years. Like we are in the earliest phase of this huge thing that to at least be having the, asking the questions is important, but like, I'm not trying to say I have it figured out whatsoever. Yeah, none of us, no one's gonna have any answers until it's like a, in the past. Been around until you're... for years and years and years and years and years and yeah. like have made all of the mistakes and all the things on it. And yeah, it's until like, it's too late. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think that, that's where like, I always go back to this place. Like, you know, you, you look at it as it's a tool and look at it kind of lightly, not as like this, like, oh, if I, if I have a somewhat unhealthy relationship towards social media, it's the end of my life. You know, yeah. obviously people have that and that is like a real kind of problem. But I think if you look at it in the same way I look at anything of like, you know, I can have an unhealthy relationship towards, you know, recently I found I had an unhealthy relationship towards playing tennis. I was just playing tennis too much. Mm. It was like, I just like, was like, this is like whatever way to get my brain to, to stop or do something. And, and I like, you know, reeled it back and, but I, you know, it's this, this constant wavering going back and forth and back and forth and back and forth until, you know, I'm like, maybe when I'm 50, I'll figure it out. But I, I do think it's, it's interesting that everyone I know is asking all these same questions more so than any other form of their life. You know, yeah. I know friends that are more concerned about their addiction to social media than like, they're probably drinking too much. And I'm like, you know, you gotta, you gotta figure out which thing here is more deadly in the moment. But I think that because it's so prevalent, so constant, it, ha it does make everyone reflect on it every single moment. Yeah. Yeah, I think too, within this past year where everyone has been forced to like be at home and like your whole day and your life has really changed as well as so many like in the US, just like so many things going on, like politically and socially that you're unable to go outside. So one, you're already kind of inside on your phone, whatever, using whatever entertainment, but then there's all these things going on where you want to be tuned in. And there's so many like things that are, that, that require, or that are calling for like individual, like, um, what is it called? When you step into something like individual, like volunteering, individual commitment, whatever. Like, it's not like climate, I guess everything people can contribute to anything, but it's not like it's snowing, right? And that like, we can do anything if it's yeah. snowing, um, that sort of thing. Um, so I feel like in that way, it's people, the way people have used it is kind of, people are questioning it, but also like questioning it, but also finding new ways to use it. 
in that sense. Um, but I don't know. I mean, like I like how you're saying you were saying throughout it, like I can only speak from the perspective that I have and my perspective is so limited in the scope of what it is. And I feel like my direct concern with it is just how it is impacting and like stuff that you were saying, we're not going to know until later, but like how it's impacting people that aren't developed. Like, our, I mean, like our brains aren't even fully developed. Like our brains won't be developed yeah. to like 25, 26. So like, but you as someone that like, I don't know, like, I feel like when you're younger, you don't have exposure to the whole world. You don't know about the whole world. There's like psychological, like things that are going on where like, it's hard to even like understand what empathy is and like see past your own perspective and like things like that, that when you're so young and you're, um, you're exposed to the whole world and like the fact that there's other people that have opinions and the fact that you can affect them and they can affect you and how that changes your psyche and your understanding of, I guess, who you are and like in your relation to the world, um, where now it seems like everyone that age has that ability and that access. Um, I know that I feel like in your time, it was more through traditional media. So it wasn't necessarily as, maybe it wasn't as invasive in certain ways. Um, but yeah, I don't know, like what, what are your insights into, into that impressionable time period? I think that it, you know, the impressionable time period for anyone is so scary. <laughs> you know, whether that's just going to school or social media mm -hmm. or whatever. And I, you know, it's such a hard thing to even, for me to even just comprehend, I don't know, like just to think about that period in your life and how much you're learning so fast that I do think that on one end, there is something actually beneficial about having so much access because you can learn so much more when you're 12 and 13 years old than you can now. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, I learned so much on the internet about cooking because I was like a sponge. Yeah. My brain was a literal sponge and I had the access to it. And I'm really appreciative that I had, appreciative that I had that. But I think it's that same thing of like, you know, with access and knowledge, there's all, there's always going to be a downside and always going to be a scary side. Um, and I think that that is where a lot of it comes out in how you were raised mm -hmm. and like how, whether that's by your parents, by your society, by your, you know, your, the views that were sort of imprinted on you or whatever. I think that that's where you know, I have friends with little younger siblings that like some, like my friend has like a 14 year old brother and she's like the sanest human being I know. And they have amazing parents who were raised really well of like this way of like, you know, you can experience whatever, but like, you know, they were still very good parents on top of that. And like he 14 and like has an Instagram where he just posts photos of different cool bugs that he finds and like only follows cool. like, you know, bug people. And, like, <laughs> That's cool. That's really cool. It's super cool. And like, I think that there is this whole thing of like, you know, giving some more credit towards 12 year olds of like, he could go to a bad side or mm -hmm. whatever, but that's not what he's interested in. And I think that 
social media just exacerbates anything that's happening in the real world. Mm-hmm. And so I think that the ch- the kids that are going to, you know, be, are, are interested in one direction, whatever, in the, in the normal world, Instagram just, or whatever social media just, you know, makes that times a hundred. Yeah. And so I think that that's what's dangerous about it is it's adding, you know, gasoline to the fire that is being 12 years old. But I think that, you know, it really, I, I, I think that it's better, in my opinion, at least, I think it's better that they have access than forcing them to not have access. Mm-hmm. Because then what happens when they can do whatever the fuck they want? Yeah. You know, I think that if it's less about taking away the access of an 11, 12 year old, but instead more about teaching them the way to experience it, mm-hmm. I think they're going to have a much healthier relationship towards social media when they're in their 20s than we do. Mm. Because when you get the access immediately, when you, there's no one telling you what to do, then you can just run with it and do whatever the fuck you want. But when you get the access, but at the same time, you're being taught about, you know, how to, how to experience it and how to look at it and how to watch it. um, I think that that's where you could end up formulating a much better relationship towards it than someone that's just sort of dives right in head first. Yeah, I think that, yeah. I think that's a great point. I definitely, I haven't thought about it like that. I mean, there are, there is so much that you can learn from it. And I think you're, that's a very positive and hopefully, I hope it holds true that the generation. I could be wrong. Yeah, I mean, I we, we can wrong. all be wrong. Really? Yeah, but. <laughs> plug my computer in very quickly. It's dying. Okay. <laughs> I also, I need to go in 10 minutes, by the way. Okay. Yeah, no problem. Um. So yeah, no, I, I was just saying, yeah, I agree with you. I think we're all, I don't know if it's something to agree on, but I. I don't, yeah, it's a I, point that is not a point that is, yes. It's a point that is not a yes or no. I think it's a, it's a, it's a hope. Um, it's a, yeah. And I mean, um, yeah, it will be interesting to see how their understanding of it, since it is just something they grew up with that already existed that it isn't so maybe it isn't so mystical and like our understanding and it it makes me feel like I'm kind of like really old the idea of like oh well they didn't grow up like I did like what are these kids gonna do with these phones like oh my god like oh and they they, you know we're not that different yeah (laughs) we we grew up with a bunch of shit that like we probably shouldn't have seen like you you know I I grew up with the internet so that's one huge yeah yeah it's kind of the same thing and it really is like you know i remember when i was 12 i i had friends that had problematic relationships towards the internet and would you know like i never was the kind of person who would go on like a 12-hour youtube hole or like any of these sorts of things but i think that was just because it was the way that my parents talked about the internet to me Mm -hmm. and the way that like then i experienced it and it made my own decisions about it and i think that that's where it could be applied to anything, you know? Like, it could be applied to children and matches. Like, it could go really badly. <laughs> but, you know, 
if you use it properly, you can light a candle or you could like burn a bunch of shit down. If you, like, it really, it, it's that close of a, of a comparison of like, it comes down to the not, I mean, and I think of the, my view on not parenting, whatever, but like, raising, it was like, there, you know, to go, no, you can't do this. Like, no, you can't have social media. No, you can't do this is only going to make the relationship 10 times worse once once they have access free yeah i mean it's like anything it's like you know i know so many kids that their parents were so like you can never drink whatever blah 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 blah, and then they got out of the house and they like you know got their stomach pumped because they didn't understand how to drink properly Mm -hmm. like i think you know that extremism is you know could be equated to anything that is problematic when people are kind of forming themselves yeah yeah I totally see what you're saying um yeah so I mean all that to say I think they I hope that they will have a better idea of navigating it I feel more confident after talking to you that they will Um, I'm glad I'm glad (laughs) that I could I could you know knowing absolutely zero 12 year olds in my life (laughs) I'm glad that my my theories on this could make someone feel more comfortable yeah I need to I don't know any the youngest person I know is maybe like 15 my cousin I should talk to her um yeah and see what I'm sure honestly she'll probably be like have a much more interesting outlook on social media than like any 24 year old you talk to yeah I feel like a lot of us will have similar ideas and she she might offer some new perspective um but yeah so Thank you so much for joining me today, yeah, Flynn. It was such a pleasure to talk to you. Um, and thank you for everyone that's list- that has listened to us chat. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Under the Influence. And Flynn, I'd love for you to have the last word, anything that you want to leave with the listeners. Uh, yeah, I'm Flynn McGarry. Um, I have a restaurant in New York called Gem. Um, if you want to follow me on social media uh, <laughs> and see that I just post a bunch of stupid shit, uh, I'm at Dining with Flynn. Um, and, you know, I feel like the thing that I, I, I even kind of left with this conversation is that none of us really know anything. <laughs> and it's, just, it's, it's the, the matter of figuring it out um, and trying to figure out the best way to do it. Um, and that's kind of how I go into social media is that idea of, you know, None of us know what the fuck this is. So as long as we're being conscious of that and trying to figure it out, um, that's what's important. Love it. Thanks everyone. Stay safe.